Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, John Casola, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Super Tuesday, the day that we always uh, refer to uh, when Syracuse and Boston College play on Tuesday. Ah, yes, of course. The, uh, the well-known uh, tradition. Well-known tradition, in, in case you are in a Super Tuesday state. Um, hopefully, you got to the ballots before the game started. Um, I know most of the polls closed by the time the game started. I voted for Syracuse. I also voted for Syracuse. And it seems like things are going to come in uh, for Syracuse based on the uh, the early polling. And, you know, I know exit, exit, exit polls were kind of mixed, but it does seem like Syracuse is going to come out the winner here. Yeah, there were some there were some injuries uh, right before the ballots opened for Boston College or what I don't even know if they, if they were injuries or suspensions or whatnot. But either way, the exit polls were good and it looks like the actual results are backing it up. Boston College collective shrugging finally caught up to them. Um, have declined to really try hard in basketball for upwards of 10 years now. And we, uh, we appreciate them for that. Let's try uh, putting out some more exciting candidates, I think. Yeah, more exciting candidates would really be a, a great way to make Boston College basketball great again. Um, unfortunately, they, they, they've yet to comply. So let's see what happens. This has been uh, your episode of Noon's Poe Trap House. <laughs> Yeah, so we're not going to touch politics uh, <laughs> as as is longstanding tradition, but we will we will make some some subtle nods to it. Um, as Dan and I have been alluding to, uh, right now there's about three minutes left in the Syracuse game. SU's up seventy five fifty six over the Eagles. Uh, looks like another nice road win for the Orange. Uh, BC is really nothing all that great, but at the same time, if they had lost this game, it would have been kind of disastrous for the uh, for the consecutive winning season streak. Um, would have given BC a chance to leap us in the standings. Um, instead, we uh, we get clear of that line, and Syracuse ends up you know, seventeen and thirteen right now, ten and nine in league play. Um, that will situate them still in that like tied for fifth um, area, uh, as noted previously on the blog. We'll write something up about it on Wednesday that you'll see probably as you're listening to this. Um, a ten if Syracuse loses the tiebreaker to Clemson. Um, if NC State, currently 9-10, and 10, is able to get to the same record as Syracuse, they'd lose that tiebreaker as well. Um, they beat Notre Dame on tiebreaker via a uh, win over Virginia. Um, Georgia Tech, are we still TBD on whether or not they can even participate? Because I know that like that's gone back and forth. But some people are saying that they're out. Other people are considering them in until we hear for sure if their like, um, appeal is declined or not. So the ACC put out uh, its if the season ended today uh, – bracket earlier and it does not include georgia tech unless i'm just not seeing them but there are 14 teams so um right now at entering today uh syracuse is number six which would line us up to play the vatech north carolina winner um i would like to put myself on the record as saying i would not like that result (laughs) (laughs) it would also put us if we went to win that game uh, against duke um, I would like to just get off of that line completely. Uh, luckily for us, I think, um, obviously, we are going to pick up this win, assuming we don't blow a 19-point point lead in a couple minutes, so knock on wood there. Um, I think Notre Dame, who is fifth uh, as of this morning, um, probably has the hardest stretch of the 9-9 nine and nine teams uh, down this, uh, to end here. They are versus Florida State tomorrow, and then Va- versus Vatech, so obviously another one of these teams uh, in the, the general mix uh, on the seventh, so... Um, I'm hoping we can get up to the five line. Uh, honestly, the seven would also probably be better for us. 
Um, you just play Miami uh, as of now, uh, but all of this stuff is very much in flux because uh, with the standings, there are five, four teams at nine and nine. Uh, NC State's at nine and ten. Boston College was in a fall to seven and twelve, so they're probably out of it. But uh, like five teams, pretty squarely in the midst of in the same range. If Georgia Tech's included, if not, it's four teams within half a game of each other. So, yeah, I mean, and excuse the uh, garbage truck in the background here. Um... I do think that the five seed would be ideal. Um, obviously, uh, Virginia's been pretty hot lately, though, one six straight. Um, definitely look like a much better team than they did when they were seven and five in league play um, at the start of this streak. Um, I know they've lost that, that was they'd lost to Boston College, they'd lost to us. Um, then they've been able to kind of put things back together here. Um, so definitely would be a much more formidable opponent than I think the one that we faced um, out in Charlottesville back in January. Uh, I think, like you said, I, I'd like to avoid, although really, um, I think Florida State at full strength is a tougher team than Duke in my eyes as far as a matchup for Syracuse. So I'd, I'd actually rather face Duke. Um, I don't want any piece of, of Louisville. Um, I'd be very concerned about, really, I'd, I'd be very concerned about facing any of the top four, but in particular, I think Florida State and Louisville pose much bigger problems um than duke and virginia do for us of course that means we still have to win um you know a game before that and i don't necessarily have full faith in syracuse that they can beat anybody um in the bottom like you know eight or nine teams of the conference no i i think i would definitely take and again this is just entering to that um i would definitely take my uh shot with the wake forest pit winner uh versus the Tech unc winner and uh i think uh, if we that's if we were to jump Notre Dame, and obviously I think Virginia is the team in the top four we would sign for. But as you said, they have played significantly better um, over the last couple of weeks. Which honestly, you know, if you are looking for some very strange at large path, like playing a Virginia that is getting better but still the most beatable of that top four, is a pretty good situation. Um, if they stay ranked and you beat them, um, that looks pretty good. Uh, obviously, then you'd have to face Louisville in all likelihood, but. You, I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee that NC State wouldn't knock them off, uh, and also you're gonna need to probably play a Louisville type team at some point anyway. So you just kind of get the draw you get. Um, but I think, yeah, if you were to slide into that number five spot, um, that seems to be the kind of prime position for Syracuse. And if they win this one, I think they will probably jump into that five spot for the time being. Yeah, they would because because they'll be nine and nine. Notre Dame will be nine and nine, and they have a tough game tomorrow. I think they would probably. I mean, they would have the half game on Notre Dame. Um, I don't know what Clemson is doing. Clemson is against uh, Vatek tomorrow, uh, which is not, you know, that's a coin flip. Um, and then, yeah, those are all the teams that are tied right now. So also, like, before I I opened up the standings before we topped on here, and if you had asked me to guess the teams that are have nine wins right now, besides Syracuse, I don't know that I could have confidently named more than two. Like, I, you, I, I it was like a, a dartboard. I could have guessed Virginia Tech. <laughs> I could have guessed uh, Miami. I, I was I wouldn't have been super confident. I think I could have done three of the five pretty pretty well. I don't know that I would have guessed Georgia Tech, and I don't know that I would have guessed Clemson. Yeah, I only reason I know is because I was watching a little bit more um, standings wise in recent weeks. But yeah, I uh, I think that before the season. I, I don't think many people would have been able to to pick this group of teams. I mean, maybe I think NC State probably would have been in that collection. Maybe Notre Dame would have too, and maybe, eh, maybe us. But I, I guess if I guess if you told people pick the fifth through, I I think if you told people pick the fifth 
through eighth place teams, I don't think people would be able or fifth through ninth place teams. I don't think people would be able to guess all of them. Um, I think the nine to nine stuff, maybe, you know, Clemson and Georgia tech aside. It's funny though, because like, if you were to ask the top four, I think you probably could have gotten the pretty accurate top four without much stress. I think Florida state's better than people thought. I think Virginia is probably, honestly, it probably shakes out about where you think they would have been, but like you, there's no way you would be able to describe accurately the types of seasons any of those teams have had, except for maybe if you were bullish on Florida state, they've kind of been pretty consistent, but like Louisville has been up and down uh, and they were expected to be one of the best teams in the country. Duke is like, 14 and 5, 24 and 6, like that's very good, but like they're they're hitting a skid and they look kind of out of sorts. Virginia had this huge kind of cratering and is now on the upswing. Um, so yeah, I, I think the top four you probably could have guessed, but you wouldn't have like found the approach directly. Um, but uh the the, the everything after the next five is just a mess. Also, Syracuse is now up 12 after being up 19, what feels like two minutes ago. Um, they're gonna still win. There's only a minute left, but uh, if they don't, uh, you can yell at us on Twitter tomorrow, please. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> know we, we did it. Happens. <laughs> I mean, at least whatever happens here, at least we're not losing by 18 to Rutgers as, as Maryland currently is. This is true. I also have that game on, so uh, shout out to the Terps, thriving in the Big Ten as always. Is this the second straight game that they've had a chance to clinch the regular season title and have not done it? Uh, yeah, they lost. What who did they lose to over the weekend? Uh, Michigan State, I believe. Yeah, it's it'd be really funny if they didn't if they didn't win it. <laughs> it'd be like extremely really uh, funny go if they, they somehow finish like zero and four and just slide behind someone. Ugh. Um, while we're still talking about basketball here in the first half of our podcast, um, let's talk about the North Carolina disaster. Um, not because I want to, just because it makes sense that we do. <laughs> It is a Syracuse podcast, and therefore we probably should. Yeah, so um, contrary to popular belief, I was not happy about this result. Uh, Syracuse lost by 13 to UNC. Um, they made it like sort of interesting at the back end of the first half um, after getting really run off the floor to start this game, um, and then you know literally didn't play defense for the final 20 minutes, um, giving up 52 points uh, versus 44 for SU um, in a 92-79 to loss. Um for a team that didn't really shoot too well coming into this one, um, North Carolina, a, a, a poor three-point shooting team, had no problem um, hitting from outside. They were 11 to 26. That's uh, 42.3% um, against SU in the afternoon. Uh, Cole Anthony we, we, went 7 of 11. If we were still doing this, Christian Teeling would have been, like, the perfect call. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, that's the thing. Like, we were actively, like, avoiding this because it was coming true far too often. 6.8 points a game. Did he go for 18? Yes, he did. Off the bench, 27 minutes, two for four from three. Yep. Indubitably. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, th- th- this is just, a, it's it's become too stupid at this point. Like, like it, the only thing you can do is joke about it simply because, like, I don't, I, I just, I'll never understand how this happens so consistently. Is it just that we only scout six guys because that's all we play? It's possible. Like, Bayham is has no idea why why these other coaches are running out 10 players. What rubes. I mean, like, BC tonight. I, BC hit 19 threes in this game and is a poor three-point shooting team. Yeah, it's, um, uh, I don't know. Well, actually, I should take that back. UNC played seven guys, like, like actual, minute, uh, actual minutes, but still, I, I don't think uh, Keeling was probably factored in to play 27, but he went off, so here we are. Um, 
no, I don't know. I mean, the, the top of the zone we've been talking about all year, it's just not particularly good. Um, the fact that the fact that BC has is 19 for 42 from three and Syracuse is seven for 23 and is winning handily is like one of the craziest things. But, but the, I mean, the free throws, you can't do two for 10 from the free throw line. Um, it's just like, mar- I, I marveling at the, the, the team stats tonight. Uh, Really incredible. Uh, Syracuse wrapped it up 20, 84 84-71. So do not yell at us on Twitter tomorrow. Sorry, guys. That's Those are the rules. Wham, wham. Yeah, the, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, the win now gets SU to 17-13. and 13. Um, The streak of winning seasons is now intact. They would have to lose Miami uh, this weekend. They would have to lose the first game in the ACC tournament. Um, and they, yeah, even if they did that, and they lost that game, the first game in the ACC tournament, and the first game in the likely NIT, um, if not the CIT, um, then Syracuse would go 17 and 16, which it's 50 straight years now of, uh, of winning basketball for Syracuse. No small feat, yet one that nobody seems to care about outside of Central New York. Yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. I mean, I think I said, like, after, uh, what was our, the game last Tuesday? Uh, the pit game? Yes. Yeah, I posited on Twitter, like, whether or not we'd just be better off splitting up Buddy and Gerard more. Um, it just seemed like, I mean, Buddy only played 14 minutes that night, didn't ha- didn't score. Um, Gerard had a nice game. There have been other games where Buddy was out, uh, and Gerard had his better games. Uh, and then there are games like tonight where Buddy really thrived. Um, obviously, Gerard played a lot, but they're like, I just wonder if there's a better equation in terms of like so helping the the perimeter defense, um, still having one of them provide like that offensive punch, and keeping one of keeping them both kind of fresh. And I'm not saying like you can't play both of them at the same time ever, but I just like I really wonder if there was like a, a way to get like Buddy on the floor 30 minutes, Gerard on the floor 25 minutes. I don't think Washington or uh, Gooding is are, are nearly. Like, I think they're pretty decent. Like, but every time they play, if not, like, outwardly impressed, like, it just doesn't seem like we lose that much in, like, a couple short minute bursts of having them. I think they're both probably better defensively than Gerard, or at least, like, close. Uh, you know, at least a wash. Um, I think Gooding's probably definitively better. Um, Washington just seems to have this thing where, like, the, the offense just really finds itself if it's out of sorts when he comes in for a couple minutes. And like, I just wish there was a little more creativity with the rotations to experiment with like, can we really like help this defense? Because playing both of them 35 minutes a game together, it just seems like there's, there's a inevitably a, a spot every game where the team, the other team just either gets back into it or just opens the game up by hitting like three or four threes in rapid succession. And like, I enjoy both of these players and obviously like we're, you know, everyone's a, a fan of Joe and Buddy for various reasons, but um, just the def- the defensive combination is just a big liability, and it's not like we don't have other ways to like combat this. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think you know Gerard one of five in the field tonight, um, got to the line three times. As you got to the line a bunch tonight, actually twenty one and twenty five. Yeah, that was um, kind of some the difference of that's in the game. <laughs> yeah, some of that's garbage time. Obviously, Howard Washington four for four, Goodine three at three. Um, I, I think really what would 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 have made this a lot easier this year. Um, is a like let you know Dolajai and and Sidibe avoiding foul trouble um, a little bit more consistently. B 
but B, um, Garrier turning into a little bit more of an offensive presence, because then if you have that, you can sit one of Doljai or Sidibe. Um, you can play Garrier at the four, um, have used at the three, obviously. Um, and then you can play Washington or, or, or Gudain with um, Buddy or Gerard, depending on who's on the floor. I mean, you can play them together for sure. But and, and when the two of them are hitting, it's great. But realistically, like even like tonight, this was a two man game for the most part with uh, with, with Hughes and Beheim combining for for 49. And then everybody else kind of chipping in here and there. So Bay having a surprising nine and 12 um, night as his uh, tour de force of late continues. But yeah, I, I think, I think a combination more like that. And we've seen that in the past too, with like, you know, one guard who's a little bit more um, offensive minded, another one who's a little bit more defensive minded, lifting both of them up in the entire zone up as a result. So I, I think, I think Gary a was really the key to that this year. And the fact that like, he just hasn't been as consistent on offense. Like, like if O'Shea had come back, it would have been a no brainer. Um, but that, that's what the lineup looked like. Gary a probably would have redshirted um, or at least something close. Um, and we would have ended up with, yeah, like a, a typical lineup of Brissett at the four, Dolajai or City Bay at the five, um, use at the three. And then you could have um, easily rotated in, you know, Washington and Orgadine um, at one of the guard spots along with Bayheim and Gerard. So slash moving Hughes up I, to the two and sit and O'Shea yeah. up to the three. Yeah, could, could absolutely do that too um, if you wanted to go a little bit bigger. Um, but there, there definitely would have been some fun lineup permutations. Um, but instead, we end up with a, a little bit of a different um, vibe. I do hope that we didn't see, I know, like, um, use played like 39 minutes tonight, which I don't love. Um, if I, like, I think in, in part, I think Beheim's trying to get him back into the like ACC player of the year conversation and 28 points on 11 to 20 shooting. will do that. Um, but at the same time, like I wouldn't mind saving some of his legs depending on, because, because theoretically, I mean, I'm not da- banking on it, but theoretically we could still make a run in the ACC tournament. I'd rather save his legs a little bit and also get some run for guys like Edwards, guys like Washington, Goodine. Um, who haven't necessarily seen the floor a ton um, this year comparatively. And really, like all guys who are going to be back next year and, and guys who, unlike Hughes, I think who I think we think is, is going to be in the NBA draft, um, guys who are going to be you know building blocks for next year's team um, and, and are really critical um, you know, guys to get more minutes to because then it also eases the, uh, the ramp-up process next year instead of like starting from scratch the way we will kind of have to. Yeah, we probably could have done a couple more minutes off. Uh, Hughes, I don't mind as much playing a lot just because it, it doesn't seem like it. Um, I know there's like a big debate within the fan base whether or not like the rest helps or not. I think for Hughes, he's one of the more veteran guys where you can kind of bank kind of like battle last year where like a couple minutes rest would probably help during the game. But overall, like he he plays pretty well just no matter what. Um, during the Miami game, I guess we'll, we'll probably see, but at least we'll have a couple of days off between then and the our first ACC tournament game, which should be Thursday or Friday. Thursday, probably, right? Yeah, Thursday. The tournament starts Thursday. Wednesday, I think. Right? The the yeah round with, the, with the early games. The Misfit Toys. Well, we'll get a buy. Actually, no, Tuesday now it starts because the ACC ends on Saturday now. Oh, right, they bumped it up. Okay, yeah, so it's Tuesday, so we'll probably be on Wednesday. Um, assuming something crazy doesn't happen, oh, we'd be on th- oh, we'd, I think we'd still be Thursday, wouldn't we? Because there's the yeah, there's the three games early. We'd get the double. We'd get a buy. It's March 10th to 14th. We can look. All right, March 10th is Tuesday. No, I think we'd be. I think we'd be Wednesday because there's only the one buy in front of us because there's not the uh, 15 game because of Georgia Tech. That's right. Oh yeah, the, the, I keep forgetting about the 14 um, team thing. I was looking at the bracket. 
Season ended 13. today. Let's see, fourteen. <laughs> this is 13, great. 12, great radio. 11, yeah, the, talk, the fantastic. Talk yeah. More. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure we've been playing on Wednesday in our yes, first season. We would be playing on Wednesday, March Barring 11. a is... well, we can't jump up to the four. Uh we're too far back. Yeah. But uh barring a precipitous fall to the eleven, which I also don't know if it's possible at this point. Um no. We would at this point we can't we fall any in? further. Um the only we can't fall any further than and where NC State is right now. So not yeah, actually so nine. Eight, so yeah. well, no, eight eight is as far as we could fall because Georgia Tech. So we're that, that's Assuming not Georgia bad. Tech is out. Yeah, assume you're so we that. we have locked in. Congratulations, everyone! We have locked in a first round by in the ACC tournament. <laughs> congratulations! A thing that honestly, honestly, if you ask us in December, kind of seems like an accomplishment now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, to be honest. Uh, you know, you had the uh, the skies falling, folks, thinking that this is going to be like the uh, the end if of you, the time era. On, if you ask me after the Georgetown game. Will Syracuse be the five or six seed in the ACC tournament? I would have laughed at you. That being said, I wouldn't have banked on the ACC being like the weirdest it's ever been. But um, yeah, I mean, the the uh, I would have probably penciled in like eleventh or at best. So I'm going to take this as a win for for all of us. Let's remember how how far we've come um, and how far the ACC has come in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, I know after the Iowa game, like, that was kind of, like, the straw that broke the camel's back for, like, Bayheim not really making adjustments, everybody complaining. Like, I wrote an article where I didn't say that the Bayheim era was over, but definitely didn't have, like, too much, like, glowing, um, you know, praise for the current state of things. Um, I think that Iowa game was really, like, what I think started to break a lot of people. The Georgetown game didn't help. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess if you told me if the Iowa game that we would be – potentially the five seed in the ACC tournament. I think I'd laugh at you, but again, caveat with never in my wildest dreams that I think that the, uh, that, that 10 and 10 could potentially, you know, be the, the five seed in the ACC tournament. No, this has been a very deeply weird college basketball season. And if you told me that we were the five seed in the ACC tournament, but we were not going to make the NCAA tournament as of that same moment, like, what are we even doing? What is this? What is any of this? Yeah. I uh, can't cancel this college basketball season. Go, go Aztecs. Anyway, uh, why don't we take a quick break for our sponsor, and we're back. Dan, let's talk some beer. Um, what did you drink this week? Uh, only a couple things after the, the more busy week last week. Um, I had both the peach and the mango gozes from Hoboken Brewing, um, which were both nice. I think the peach was a little bit better. Uh, it's like Rutgers is about to finish off Maryland here. Um, and then I also had a Nirvana IPA from Omegang, uh, which was solid. Uh, Omega Gang also uh, apparently canning their three philosophers now, which is very exciting. Huh. Yeah, cans are kind of the way to go for a lot of people. So I've noticed. Yeah, I also haven't had that in a while, so hopefully it means that uh, it's coming coming down this way soon. Nice. Yeah, it comes out here, so I'm curious what the cans in about here. Um, uh, the only beer I had is had a growler of a uh, monkish domino effect, which I mentioned last week. Um, so pretty light weekend for me. Um, just kind of dealing with a like family-wide um, bout of the sniffles. No, uh, no, no, no larger issues to report here. So uh, just was just kind of taking it easy. I'll be in um, Arizona next weekend for some spring training. Uh, so I'll, I'll definitely have some, some new beers to report uh, when we talk this time next week. Very nice. I don't know. What's the Arizona beer scene like? I'm going out there later in the year. Uh, it's not like amazing. It's, I mean, like Nevada and Arizona, 
Arizona have their own beer scenes, like in Arizona, like uh, Arizona Wilderness um, is arguably like the best brewery in the state, and that's in the greater Phoenix area. But um, a lot of the Arizona and Nevada beer scenes are like the Southern California beer scene, just like transported. So you're going to see a lot of the same breweries that like you would see in like the San Diego and LA areas. But you yeah. also get the other mix of Colorado stuff that you don't normally have. That's nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there in October. So, oh, Retro Storm the Tart. I'm out there in October. So uh, hopefully I'll get to check out some of that stuff. Nice. Uh, Phoenix, or are you going to be? Uh, it's a wedding somewhere in the Phoenix area, I think. I think like half an hour we, outside. We could, take, uh, we, well, we could take the tourism conversation offline, but uh, I definitely <laughs> have at least a few picks. For uh, for the uh, the Phoenix area. Um, while we're on off-topic things, um, in our usual uh, discussions about the Mets and uh, the Knicks sucking, well, Dan, I'm sure you've you've seen the news from a couple weeks ago where James Dolan uh, is trying to get involved in a uh, in a Mets sale. And God, please know, I I can't do any more James Dolan in my life. So. There was a discussion I had with some, uh, as a non-Knicks Mets fan, just a Mets fan, uh, there was a discussion I had before this came out um, with some Mets-Knicks fans over would it be worse for the Wilpons to own the Knicks or for Dolan to own the Mets? And I said, and I stand by this if that's the choice given to me, um, it'd be worse for the Wilpons to own the Knicks because they don't have money. Dolan has plenty of money. Um, The problem is, Dolan doesn't really care about the basketball team he owns. He cares about the arena. And he definitely wouldn't care about the baseball team he then owns. That's not at the arena that he likes. Um, So I just don't know why he would do this. Um, He's like just a really poor manager of these teams. Like he only like the Rangers have done okay, but that's just because he just decided not to care anymore. Um, So I don't know if that's the best approach. Um, I think it like it, the best possible scenario is it's like a minor upgrade over the Wilpons because he realizes he doesn't actually care about baseball. So he just does the same thing as he does with the Rangers, but that's not like the most optimistic view. Um, and also it just kind of seems like the Mets need to get sold here at some point. Like the Wilpons are clearly trying to make this happen. And obviously it fell through with the, uh, you know, evil wall street person whose name I forgot, um, who probably would have done really good, but also got us into like an Astros like scandal within 10 years. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm not going to bank on, like, let's sell it to the awful other owner in New York because, like, the Wilpons clearly need to make this happen. The Katzes are pulling out their money uh, at some point, it sounds like. Um, they're not interested in continuing with the Mets. So there's not really an option other than the Wilpons eventually just, like, realizing what has to happen and selling to someone. Um, so I really hope that's not Dolan because there are certainly have to be better options. Well, I I personally know a New Yorker that has... Um, a lot of money has been willing to spend quite a bit of it of late um, <laughs> and will certainly have nothing better to do with it in about 24 hours. I'm pretty sure so, he's the uh, governor of America, Samoa now, though. So he might be busy. That's true. Um, yeah, but, but I'm sure he could run the team remotely. Um, I'd actually be fine with Mike Bloomberg going in the Mets. I don't fucking care. I would, I would sign so hard for Mike Bloomberg to own the Mets. He would. It, yeah, it would be, you know what? He'd be ruthless. He'd, he'd he would be ruthless abs- and they'd be really good. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that, like, you you know, the concessions might get kind of cut down and, like, he'd have uh, just, like, weird, I don't know. I feel like it'd be annoying Stop in some ways. in the outfield. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there would definitely be downsides, but 
I think he would be weirdly competitive about it because that's, you know, clearly he has nothing else to do. Um, so yeah, I would, I, I welcome Mike Bloomberg to spend his hilarious uh, gobs of money that he doesn't know what to do with uh, to buy the Mets. Um, it's probably not the most useful thing he can do with his money, um, but, but it's this, more this useful than what he's been doing with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all for Bloomberg. Um, and to be honest, like around your hypothetical earlier, I think I would actually make the trade uh, between Wilpon and Dolan because I think I think the opposite situations fit both of them. Um, like the Knicks need some restraint and need someone to spend less money in a stupid way. Um, so while the Mets have spent money in a stupid way, um, I do think the Wilpons would actually show enough restraint to maybe let the team rebuild. Um, people go see the Knicks no matter what. Um, I think on the Mets side, um, Dolan would spend a lot of money, which is something that the Wilpons will not do. Um, as a as a Knicks Rangers Mets fan, I would not want a a, a three part um, hellscape for me as a fan. But but at the same time, I uh, I do acknowledge that like Dolan heading over there and switching could be useful because again money. Um, he'd understand quickly that like the Rangers, he doesn't know what the hell's going on on on, on the field of play. So he would hire reasonably good people to do that job for him, and then just collect the winnings. Um, so I actually think that 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 could be a perfect trade um, that would benefit both of my fandoms. It is weird that, like, despite what I said earlier, there's no debate. The Wilpons have been better owners than Dolan. Yes. If the Mets 100%. have had more success than the Knicks by a large margin, and that's terrifying. Yeah. The uh, the Knicks made the finals in, like, 99, and Dolan took over, like, e- either immediately before or immediately after. <laughs> even before the 90s, like... And I, I say this not as a Nets fan who's trying to remind people of this, but just as like a fact. Act like the Knicks, and and they're storied because they're in New York, but they're act like the Knicks are like you know a couple of years removed of being like the Lakers. Like the Knicks have been trash for like most of their existence. Um, so like it's just there isn't a long term. It's not like Dolan like came and sullied anything. He just like he sullied the '90s where there was some hope, but it's just been well, so bad since then. He, he sullied. I mean, admittedly, the Knicks were never like the Lakers, but the Knicks were, the Knicks were the Pistons, basically. Where, where, where yeah. they were, they were just in New York. They, they were a team that was competitive. They made the playoffs most years, like the late '80s to like through the late '90s. Like they were in the playoffs pretty much every year. In the late '60s through the like you know mid to late '70s, they were in the playoffs every year. Like they were a competitive team. I mean, the the problem was that there was always you know the Celtics in their way in the early days, the Lakers in their way. Um, the Bulls in the '90s, like there, there were reasons why the Knicks have only won two championships in their entire existence. But yeah, I, I think that I, I think a more apt comparison is probably like the Pistons um, in terms of like franchise stature and, and and success. I wouldn't say that they've been trash. I would say that the last twenty years have definitely taken any shine off that organization that that existed. Yeah, maybe saying that Dolan didn't sell anything was 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 wrong, but. Like it wasn't like the Knicks were this like store like it, well they weren't the Celtics before he took over. It's just oh, that like they never they never were able to like elevate. They were never able to build on the '90s and like turn it back. It's just been so bad for so long. Um, that being said, I fully acknowledge that like the NBA would be better if the Knicks were good. Um, even though the NBA is doing, I think, fine without them being good. But either way, yeah, it, it's just weird to think that like. Yeah, the Wilpons, while being just awful in so many ways, uh, on and off the tour, off the field, um, in similar ways as well as the Dolans uh, in certain respects, um, have had just more success, which is just weird to think. Um, but it's true. 
Uh, I don't want either of them owning any of my teams. Uh, and if uh, if the Wolf wants to sell, sell tomorrow, I'd be thrilled. I was thrilled when we were selling to Steve Cohen, the person whose name I just remembered, um, even though he's a uh, ghoul who I wouldn't want anything to do with personally otherwise. Um, yeah, so f- fun times for all the New York teams, as always. At least the Yankees yeah, are taking over really- like circle of despair. They're taking over like the Mets like injury uh, injury fun of like the entire 2000 2010s. Right. <laughs> come come dance with the yeah. Yankees. Yeah, it's 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 fine. The water's great here. Um back to Syracuse. Still still New York sports, but but a little bit different flavor. Um the uh, NFL Scouting Combine is this past weekend. Um while SU fans usually are only casually invested in that, um ends up that we had a lot going on there this year. Four different players were invited. Uh Kendall Coleman, Sterling Hoffrichter, Tristan Jackson, and Alton Robinson were all there. Um Kendall Coleman did all right. Um, he was like top 10 to 15 in a few different categories. He's somebody who's definitely like a fringe guy. Maybe he's late round, but he's probably like a priority free agent, which that's fine. Uh, Sterling Hoffrichter is another guy who could be a late rounder. I mean, he's a punter, so it's not like all that often that selections are used on them. It's just a trap shoot. Like a couple punters do every year. Um, Riley Ditson got drafted, I think, right? He went like sixth or seventh, but, but, uh, it's, you know, it, it, there, there are so, so much churn, less so with punters and kickers, but even if you're going to draft as a punter, if you show well, you'll, you could get a, you know, guys will try out a couple of uh, guys per year if they don't have uh, established punters. And there's always opportunities. So hopefully he gets one. He's a good leg. He's a, you know, was a tremendous punter for, for us. Um, Coleman, I think, like, I still think there's a decent chance. He didn't have a great combine. I think there's a good chance he gets drafted uh sixth or seventh round if only because i I, what we've heard is like the the sense was he interviews incredibly well and it wasn't like his uh his 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 times were like awful they just like he didn't have anything that like jumped off the page unlike the other two guys who were at the combine for us yeah i know you mentioned the other two guys uh christian jackson me number one um the 4.5 second 40 yard dash is uh is pretty impressive i think we saw like glimmers of that and i think you saw it a little bit when jackson was actually used as a slot receiver uh, what he was able to do. Um, I know that that seems counterintuitive um, because you have less space, but I actually felt like his abilities to get out of those uh, sticky situations and, and create yardage was impressive. I thought, you know, if you looked at him against undersized cornerbacks in the ACC here and there, um, you know, like Jackson was the source of most of our big play offense um, when it was there uh, for Syracuse. So I, I think that was impressive. He had a really nice, um, it well, didn't have a great broad jump, but he had a really nice vertical leap. Um, of 36 inches, which was in the top like 10 or so. Um, seems like everybody's pretty high on his speed, high on his like situational abilities, high on his route running. Um, the he fact that like, the really grades... well the, in the actual oh, yeah. drill, too. he looked very fluid. Yeah, and the fact that like it, it seems like scouts were were pretty high on his ability to 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 plug in and, and play himself, you know, into into a role, even if it's just as a backup at the NFL level. Like that's still pretty solid, and and, and I think. You know, it's it, it's just another good feather in the cap. I know, like, we've had mixed success with guys like Steve Ishmael and Jamal Custis and, and Ambat Atawo turning, at, you know, success at SU into um, into NFL success. But, you know, if Jackson can catch on with the team, even get drafted, um, could be another good sign for us and, and you know, help out in terms of uh, getting t- more talent in the door at, at receiver. Yeah, I think there's a good chance to be drafted. The only thing that really the, – the one major thing that's worked against him is that this is, like – Probably the deepest wide receiver draft ever. Uh, we could have yeah. as many as seven guys go first round, which obviously isn't a concern for him. Um, 
that being said, like you'll see teams take more than one receiver in a draft uh, a decent amount of the time. Um, so I think he'll probably go uh, just because his combine was just really good overall. I, I didn't see him running a four or five. Um, he's kind of a glider. So, it, you know, launch stride guy. So it doesn't look like he's doing as fast, but he, he definitely accelerates well. He looked just super fluid in the, those pa- those uh, catching drills, which a lot of guys were not, did not look great in. Uh, Trot some nice deep passes. Um, just really solid performance, better performance than I think anyone probably would have just from him. I don't know if he goes higher than like the fourth or fifth round, especially because of that receiver depth. But um, I think he definitely helped himself a lot. Um, and then Alan Robinson, I think it has to be uh, outside of like the top couple round guys, like probably one of the winners of the draft of the combine. He was awesome. Yeah. He, uh, he really put up some great numbers um, across the board. I mean, a 4.69 uh, 40 yard dash. That's like that. That's first round numbers. I don't think he goes first round, but I think he might've played his, he might've put himself up into the second round um, just by way of, you know, how good that number is. Like you, it, it's, you know, it's cliche in some ways, but like you can't teach that sort of speed. You can teach a lot of the technique stuff. You can teach more strength by just adding bulk, but you can't teach uh, speed to that extent. Um, his vertical leap was second um, at 35.5 inches among all defensive linemen, eighth and broad jump, second and 20 yard shuttle um, like that, that. That's some quickness there that I think, you know, turned a lot of heads. Um, scouts seem to think that he could start within a year or two, um, which is indicative of a guy, you know, it's going to go second round, maybe third. Um, I like, again, I, I think he put himself into the second round. I think between this and the senior bowl where he really looked great. Um, I think there could be some, some murmurs about him getting into the first um, just depending on, you know, how he grades out and maybe some individual workouts or individual interviews. Yeah. I think the first would be tough just because of how things are looking so far, but second or third, I think is, I'd be very surprised if he got to day three at this point. Like if you have a good combine, that's one thing. Allen has like multiple years of production, plus a really good senior bowl week, a good senior bowl itself, a good combine. Like he's just piling on. Um, I mean, he, he had his entire Syracuse career after the off field stuff. Uh, where he didn't really get in trouble one bit that anyone knows about, at least. And I assume that means he didn't um, seem to conduct himself incredibly well the entire time he was at SU. Uh, people only have good things to say about him. So um, pretty much check every box in terms of what you could ask for from uh, an NFL draft prospect, uh, especially in the run-up to the draft itself in April. Um, I assume he'll perform well at his pro day, too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's going to be the highest uh, draft pick we had in a little while, after, basically since that... Uh, that run of first rounders we had. Um, and I expect him to be uh, a contributor pretty quick uh, as, as the evaluation say, he also, to me, I don't think, I don't know if he has like the, the length that maybe some people look for, but he seems like a guy who, if you know, might be able to go to a team that's more versatile on defense and play with his uh, hand to the ground or play uh, as a stand up edge rusher as well. I think he has that kind of uh, diverse skill set, strength and speed. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where he goes. Uh, he could be a really good one. Yeah, I think without looking it up, I think he would be the earliest pick since like 2014. Um, I know most of our recent picks have come sixth and seventh round. Um, I, I think for me, like I'm curious to see which teams to play a 3-4 uh, would be willing to give him a look. The, the only hesitance I guess it would have there, and the only hesitance I really have about him in general that scouts kind of seem to echo um, is is how he how he can kind of – you know, like pump the brakes a little bit and defend against the run. Um, I did feel like he was just a better, like, you know, just bull rush type guy. And he had a couple like diverse moves that he used um, to get to quarterbacks, but I did feel like he got beat on the run a little bit. Um, I, I think if he can, you know, maybe bring in a little bit of patience into his repertoire, um, 
that could really be like the missing piece that, that gets him into that, you know, starter conversation within a year or two at the NFL level. Yeah, I looked it up. The last, uh, we had a third rounder in 2014 was Jay Bromley. Uh, and then before that, Justin Pugh went first round the year before. So it's been all seventh rounders since uh, 2014. We had Bromley in the third and Marquis Sproul in the fifth. Cool, cool. That is, uh, is not necessarily indicative of a lot of success, but these I think we're getting happen. back there. We're getting back there. If we have three draft picks this year, which I think it's looking like we, you know, very well could, if not will, um, it'll be nice. It'll be our first multi-pick uh, draft, assuming both those guys do since 2014. So I think things are, are on the upswing in terms of the talent production out of Syracuse. And, like, Andre Sisto is now a, a, an Avenger, so he's going to probably go in the first round in a couple of years. Probably next year. Yeah, probably next year. Jesus Christ. Uh, for people who didn't see that. <laughs> Dude is just like comical. Yeah, like like last year, I thought that he had like put on like a ton of muscle. He's put on even more. Like this is. I mean, we, we joked on the blog that he uh, uh and on uh, what's it called, um, on Twitter that it seemed that he uh he was trying out to play Killmonger. Uh, it, it it's it's pretty ridiculous. Like when you think about, it, he was only about like what one eighty five, one ninety coming to Syracuse. Yeah, he was like not like super thin, but he wasn't. You know, he looks like a DB. Now he looks like, he, I mean, he looks like a line. Uh, yeah, a he looks like Bob Sanders. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, I, I don't want a concern troll, so I won't go ahead and, like, I won't, like, actually say I'm, like, almost concerned that he's, like, too big for safety until I see it. But, like, if you told me that, I would, like, if he comes out and looks, like, lumbering next year, I'll be like, oh, I, like, wouldn't actually be surprised because he looks, like, just ridiculously big. Um, so hopefully that's not the case. I, I imagine the strength staff knows what it's doing in that regard. Um, but it, like, it's, it's wild. He looks like Laurent Landry, like just insane mass, muscle mass, just giant arms. Um, so yeah, excited to see him next year. Uh, especially cause like he was still highly productive as a sophomore, despite he dealing with injuries and, uh, the defense as a whole, not being as good. He, you know, should have a really, really great junior year. And then we can hopefully get back in that first round conversation, which would be fun. Yeah, I, I I'd be surprised right now, at least if he didn't go in the first round. I think the he, he showed a lot of big playability. It's not like we're like yeah, I, out of nowhere. No, yeah, he like I feel like after his freshman year, I feel like some of those numbers were against like lesser teams, but I also felt like he did um, progressively get better as the year went on. Last year, he dealt with some injuries, and still, like even when the season seemingly like was like you know out of contention, he he was one of the more like impactful defensive backs on the field every game. Um, he was one of the better, um, you know, players in terms of intercepting passes, despite the fact that he missed a few games. Um, I'm definitely like, he's already, I think like between, I think he's like two or three picks away from taking the like all time lead at Syracuse, uh, which is insane considering he's only played like less than two full seasons. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. Obviously I don't want him to leave, but I understand that like, if you have first round talent, you have first round talent and, um, you know, kudos to, to Dino and, and co for, for finding Cisco a New York kid who ended up at IMG um, and became just like an absolute um, monster uh, of a defender in a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that, that recruiting class a lot. Um, and it's just kind of indicative of like what the staff is capable of. And, and hopefully, you know, we've talked about how we need to, to add more Cisco's like, it's not always about getting like the, the, the four star guy, but if you can find a guy like Cisco who was like, clearly athletically on that level um and went slightly under recruited just because of you know the lot of recruits in florida or whatever else um 
is key for Syracuse's success. And like, we've had a taste of it already. So hopefully this, uh, you know, getting first round pitch can certainly help too. Um, that's a, that's an easy thing to sell to people. Uh, and, you know, putting a couple of in the draft this year, pretty high adding, you know, a first or second rounder next year, you can start kind of building momentum, which is like what Marone was kind of doing when we had, you know, Chandler Jones and Justin Pudo back to back first rounds. If we could have kept on capitalizing on that, unfortunately that kind of coincided with where we started to fall off. So, you know, I think this all, these are all good things. I know people get annoyed if Sisto leaves. I think most of us will understand it though, considering the production he's had uh, through two seasons, hopefully a third season, similar, uh, similar numbers. But um, I think the benefits of producing talent like that and showing uh, recruits that like you can come from being a three-star guy who probably thinks he was a little underrated going playing the ACC and then turning into, uh, you know, the same result uh, in terms of NFL draft hope than you would have had if you went to a, a bigger program. Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, I think that's it for us uh, this week, Dan, uh, anything else before we, uh, before we depart? No, I uh, hope uh, everyone who wanted to vote today uh, did get to vote. I uh, hope everyone is washing their hands very frequently and stays healthy. Uh, and hopefully uh, next week is fun for us, but we'll find out, I guess. On board with all that, uh, SU faces Miami um, this weekend. Syracuse women's basketball is in the ACC tournament down in Greensboro um, on Thursday. And then men's women's lacrosse is back in action, as are several other sports. Um, oh, shout out to that the number one I'm... lacrosse team. <laughs> oh, yeah, the number one men's lacrosse team in the country. Um SU has managed to get back to uh, back to the pinnacle, although we're not we're not at the end goal yet. We're just we're just kind of getting started, hopefully. And the women's team for exacting uh, sweet revenge on Maryland for the nonsense that they pulled and what we let them pull, uh, basically bailing out on our senior night um, because of snow that didn't come. Just ridiculous, and we didn't get a chance to talk about that because it happened between podcasts. But uh, it's in the past now. Glad we put like i think we won 10 to 6 so we we handled handled business yeah su women's uh, lacrosse should be i think higher than they are i think they're like third maybe um in the polls right now so hopefully hopefully they start getting more respect um they've racked up a couple of really nice wins already against maryland northwestern um that stony brook loss um not helping matters but you know what you know maybe it takes a defeat like that to to turn into a really special season so should be fun chronicling that uh, as the season goes on. We'll, uh, if we're not talking directly about it, we'll be bringing on some people who will. Because um, I, I think that especially as, uh, as the basketball season, well, seasons, plural, uh, fall apart, we're going to need some things to talk about. And, uh, and why not really successful lacrosse teams? Yeah, looks like it could be our best, uh, especially for both teams, best season in a while here. So exciting. I've thought, I think all the men's games so far, they've looked awesome. So t- tune into those when they play. They are a blast to watch. Lots of offense. Yeah, they've definitely turned back into like kind of what everyone's used to seeing um, after what's been a few years of like weirdness. Um, but anyway, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noon's An Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And go orange. Go orange.